What difference does it make whether you have good leaders or bad ones? The, uh, the way that individuals or governments lead is quite a hot topic at the moment, isn't it? Um, you've got this inquiry going on into how uh, Boris Johnson and his cabinet responded to the COVID crisis. Uh, we've heard how top government aides said Boris Johnson cannot lead and had the wrong skill set. Uh, you've got people in Israel questioning the leadership of their prime minister who was unable to prevent one of the worst terrorist attacks in the last 50 years anywhere in the world. And where I'm from uh, in the Church of England, um, uh, the leadership of the archbishops and bishops uh, over there is causing huge levels of chaos, chaos and pain and division um, because they want to introduce new teaching uh, on sexual morality. Bad leaders can cause great damage. And last week we heard uh, Jesus' assessment of the leadership in his day. The Sanhedrin were Jerusalem's ruling council, made up of the chief priests, elders and teachers of the law. They were responsible in particular for the temple and its worship. But when Jesus arrived at the temple, he called them a gang of criminals. When he saw how they were running the temple, he told them, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus was absolutely clear that they were not fit to lead. But instead of giving way to Jesus and recognizing his vastly superior authority, they opposed him. Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem as God's chosen king, the Messiah. He's the leader God's people need. But the Sanhedrin would not let go of their power. They claimed to be religious, to keep the law, to worship God. But how did they respond when their future king, God's anointed, accused them? They began looking for a way to kill him. And for the rest of chapter 11, and all of chapter 12, we're going to see Jesus and the Sanhedrin locked in combat. For now, it's just verbal, but it will end in bloodshed. Last week, they began looking for a way to kill Jesus. Today, we're going to hear what God will do to them. And the story begins with a delegation from the Sanhedrin coming to put Jesus in his place. Have a look down with me at verse 27. Chapter 11, uh, verse 27, near the top of page 1017. This is the, uh, the day after Jesus turned over all the tables, drove all the animals out of the temple and told the Sanhedrin they were crooks. Verse 27 says, they, that's Jesus and his disciples, they arrived in Jerusalem and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders, that's the Sanhedrin, came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked. And who gave you authority to do this? It's a bit like when a schoolboy climbs on the roof to retrieve a lost football and the teacher catches him and says, and who gave you permission to climb up there? It's a rhetorical question because there's no way to get authority to do that. The boy was clearly taking matters into his own hands and the powers that be aren't best pleased. 
And when this delegation from the Sanhedrin asked Jesus who gave him permission to cause chaos at the temple and make accusations against them, their point is, no one did. He doesn't have that authority. He's clearly been taking matters into his own hands and they're not best pleased. But instead of just sort of ignoring them, Jesus asks them a question in return. He says in verse 29, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Here's the question. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. Let's remind ourselves. Why did John the Baptist go out to the Jordan River and start baptizing people? To prepare the way for the Lord and who did he identify the Lord to be? Jesus. And when he baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven into him, and a voice from God said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And what Jesus is asking the Sanhedrin is, Was John right? Was he a prophet from God speaking the truth? Or was he a false teacher who was just making it up? It's a great question. If he was a prophet from God, then the Sanhedrin are at fault because they didn't listen to him. But if he was a false teacher, well then they ought to denounce John because they have responsibility for leading people in the truth of God's word. If John was from God, they should say so. If he was a false teacher, they should say so. But what do they say? Verse 31, they discussed Jesus' question among themselves and said, if we say John's authority was from heaven, Jesus will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say it was from men, well, they were afraid to say that because all the people held that John really was a prophet. Denying that would harm their reputation. So what does this august body of top officials and religious leaders conclude about the first serious contender for the status of prophet in 400 years? They say, verse 33, we don't know. I'm not sure. They have spiritual responsibility for God's people. And when asked to answer a simple question, about whether John the Baptist really was a prophet, they say they'd rather not. It's like the uh, Metropolitan Police Commander who's just been sacked because he was asked to take a drugs test and he said, I'd rather not. The Sanhedrin is, is trying to avoid looking bad, but they look bad anyway. They don't care about the spiritual well-being of the people. All they care about is the preservation of their status and their power. And their incompetence is obvious. They came to show Jesus up. Instead, he's shown up them. But the point isn't just to harm their reputation. Actually, Jesus has a serious warning to give them. A warning that applies just as much to the leaders of God's people today. And the warning comes in the form of a story with a not so hidden meaning. A story about God 
his people, their corrupt leaders, the prophets he sent to warn them, and the judgment that's coming their way. Have a look with me at chapter 12. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall round it, dug a pit for the winepress and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others, some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir, come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. Can you see what Jesus is getting at? The, the, the vineyard is Israel, and the man who planted it is God. The tenants who rented it, took charge of it, are the kings and leaders of God's people. In Jesus' day, this is the Sanhedrin. And these leaders rebelled. God sent servant after servant, prophet after prophet, to call them to repentance and obedience. But they rejected them all. In the end, he sent someone infinitely more precious. Someone who came with all the authority in the world. His own beloved son. It was their last chance. And that son is Jesus. He is the Sanhedrin's last chance. They must accept Jesus as their Lord. But what will they do? Well, according to Jesus' story, they will, in fact, murder him. It's the ultimate act of rebellion. But if they think they'll keep hold of their power, they're wrong. If they kill Jesus and continue to lead the people astray, what will God do to them? Verse 9, the story ends. He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. There will be a day of judgment. The Sanhedrin will not last. The temple will not last. God won't give up on his people, but he will give them new leaders. And chief and greatest of those will be the Son himself. Look with me at verse 10. Jesus said to the Sanhedrin, haven't you read this scripture? And he quotes from Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Like incompetent builders who don't recognize the most precious stone of all and haul it into the skip, the Sanhedrin are going to kill Jesus. But his death is all part of God's plan. They may reject Jesus, but God will raise him up and give him the highest place of all. From heap of rubble to highest throne, the rejected stone will become the capstone. The Sanhedrin can kill 
but God can raise the dead. What will look like a victory for them and for evil when Jesus dies will be turned into the victory and triumph of God when Jesus comes alive. And of course, he did die and he did rise. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So the Sanhedrin have a choice. Worship Jesus as their Lord or face him as their judge. It's a clear warning, but they just keep proving Jesus right. Their own Bible warned them uh, of the danger of rejecting the Messiah. Jesus has warned them that they'll be condemned by God, but verse 12 says, they looked for a way to arrest Jesus because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. They go off to make plans in secret for how to kill him. And Jesus is left just with the crowds. And the people in that crowd have also got a decision to make. Who are they going to follow now? The Sanhedrin or Jesus? Do they want to keep listening to a group of rebels who will bring them under the wrath of God? Or do they want to follow Jesus who will inherit the vineyard and bring them into God's presence? And we all have the same choice. Will we follow Jesus? The Sanhedrin were terrible leaders. They led God's people in rejection of him. And there are similarly terrible leaders in the church today. For me to be a good leader, I have to ask you if you really have accepted Jesus as your Lord. I have to warn you that if Jesus isn't at the centre of your life, then you are in rebellion against God and stand to face his wrath. So be honest with yourself. I have to be honest with myself. Do you bow to his authority so that what you say is right and wrong is what he says is right and wrong? So that what you think is good and bad is what he says is good and bad? So that what he teaches you put into practice and what he warns against you avoid? That was the sort of control the Sanhedrin didn't want Jesus to have. But there is no choice. Either he's our Lord or he's our judge. That's the first and most important way this part of the Bible impacts every one of us here and now. But there is also a major application to a smaller group who are the leaders of God's people today. That means bishops and archbishops. That means influential Christians and celebrity pastors. That means Christians who write books and run institutions and lead churches and do social media. Christians who have a say in how the church is run. Christians who other Christians listen to. And that's a group that also includes me. And the message of this passage to that group maybe anyone else in this room who's in some way part of that group, the message of this passage to us is that we must believe and teach the truth. When Jesus asked the Sanhedrin if John was a prophet, they wouldn't answer because it would have spoiled their reputation and status. When Jesus warned them of the coming judgment, they carried on as if there's no such thing. 
when Jesus implied that he was God's own son with supreme authority over them, they didn't bat an eyelid, but carried on according to their own plans and ideas. The truth didn't matter to them. We need leaders who tell the truth, even if it will harm their reputation or reduce their popularity and status. We need leaders who believe there is a judgment coming and know that they are accountable for people's souls on that day. We need leaders who tell us about the real Jesus, not their version of Jesus, who proclaim his word in the Bible and not their own values and ideology. We need leaders who will lead us towards heaven and not towards hell. But the leadership of every church is a mixed bag. There are good teachers and there are false ones. So watch out. The Sanhedrin looked good and godly. They worshipped, they read their Bibles, they put money in to keep the temple looking good. But they were rebels against God of the worst kind. They killed his son. Don't be fooled. Don't be led astray. Jesus' confrontation with the Sanhedrin looks like a battle of words. But it turns out, now that we looked at it a bit more closely, it's really a battle for our souls. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came with all authority to lead us in the truth. We pray that we would recognize who you are and day by day bow our knees to you, accepting that you are our Lord, that you are good, that you are the Savior. We pray you would take away from us any rebellious attitude, anything that would push you to one side in our lives. Help us to make your agenda our agenda. And we pray too for the leaders of this and all churches, that they too would bow the knee to Jesus and teach the truth. Please protect us from leaders who look like sheep, but would lead us astray like wolves. Keep us always near to Jesus. And we pray and ask this in his name. Amen.